It's uh, 20 minutes uh, to uh, 12, and uh, just reminding you that uh, at uh, 12 o'clock, it will be time for Update at Noon with Sakina Kamwendo. Right now, we are going to get into a conversation around mandatory vaccinations at universities. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, ask your questions or give comments, it's on 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp 0614-104107. SMSs go to 41391. Let's welcome uh, Professor Ramnik Alwalia, who's CEO of Higher Health. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor. Good afternoon, Patricia. It's an absolute honor. Thank you. Now, we see more and more universities around the country are making vaccinations mandatory. And uh, scores of universities, including Rhodes University, the University of Johannesburg, the University of the Western Cape, Wits University, the University of the Free State, and many others have this policy in place. Well, Others are still consulting, and student bodies are encouraging vaccinations, but they are saying making it mandatory may not be the solution. What is your take, Professor? You know, uh, uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much. But the question is, uh, you know, this we are we are talking about post-school education and training system, um, and in post-school education training system, we've got not just only universities; we've got universities. We've got technical and vocational colleges. We've got the community education training colleges. And so the landscape is quite big. And there are many universities which are in urbanized settings and many in rural settings. And similarly, our technical colleges are predominantly rural and peri-urban settings. So one fit all cannot go together. And that is why we are working very closely with every institution. And the engagement with every institution is how... Each institution is understanding its epidemiology, uh, the vaccine maturity in the institutions. So what we've done is we have built uh, in every institution of higher learning in university something called the vaccination centers. Over 18 universities built vaccination centers as early as July this year, which means there was storage, there was vaccine availability in access to the population, starting from staff and moving into student population. And eventually, all other universities and TVET colleges, we started building something called Vaccine Point, which means the vaccines are brought on daily basis and administered on the site so that it's easy access for students to get vaccination. So this process took, when the president announced the opening of the vaccination above the age of 35, which was end of August, by September 1st, we started building infrastructure in every campus around access to vaccination. So many universities opened up centers as early as July and matured their centers for student vaccination in early September. So they are coming now with a proper access to vaccination from that period to now in December, where they are now realizing whether they have really looked at the epidemiology, how many students did take the option of getting vaccinated, the, the access to vaccination was maturing and was given in access. And some institutions who are now reaching the deadlock in their understanding of the science with their consultation towards getting vaccines to be administered among young people, they are really challenged with those questions around business continuity. We imagine these institutions were built on contact learning. And that is why mining, plumbing, engineering, medicine, these are subjects you cannot teach on open learning or remotely completely. 
So the mechanism last year, this year, in 2021, when the vaccines were still coming to South Africa, it is not like the institutions were closed. The institutions were still running their, their courses, but predominantly online. So most of the courses were 80% online and 20% remote learning in certain institutions, 70% um, contact, uh, online and 30% contact learning. Now the shift is, and there's been a call from the parents, there's been a call from the student bodies on these institutions to say, how can you get our skills economy right? How do you make our graduates competent by providing proper administrative skills through the way of a traditional style of contact learning? And for the institution to make a shift from 30% contact learning to say 70% contact learning and 30% still open learning, considering that the COVID outbreak still remains, still knowing that the variants are coming and the waves are still happening, and we know in the fourth wave, and we do anticipate future the disruptions, they are now thinking, how do we make regulations in the, inside our system for those is, institutions where proper consultation has been done, they've seen the epidemiology, and they are hitting a, a deadlock to say, well, we can't win more. There's enough vaccine hesitancy for us to continue our business proposition going forward. And those institutions eventually are using their autonomy as per the Higher Education Act to put the regulations, which we call it as mandatory. So we, as higher health, don't say it's, it's a word called mandatory. It's like it's a word called regulations. It's very similar when you're driving on a highway and you put a regulation, say, 120 kilometers per hour or 100 kilometers per hour, predominantly because you can pose risk to not only yourself, but to the others on the road, should you be speeding up in that? And similarly, such regulations are now putting in place. But it is based on lots of parameters by every institution, provided by us as guidelines to only take such decisions once they see the whole uh, uh, consultation process and the maturity of the vaccine program. Now, when it comes to the consultation process, I mean, were workers and student student bodies, their parents, were they engaged in this consultation? Because it will hamper on their academic um, lives and careers for the students, but it will hamper on the source of income for workers within universities. I fully agree with you. You know, it's very difficult for me from higher health to answer that. The question is... Um, the institutions needs to answer who have put this in place because those are the institutions that have put the systems of consultative process right from the, the highest governing body, which is the council and the senate, to unions, to student formulations and elements, plus also looking at the science and plus also looking at the vaccine maturity angle of, of giving enough space for vaccine promotion and peer-to-peer networks for the vaccine engagement. So I think the institutions have done that and they are doing it. And that's why some of the institutions who have taken those decisions, and this is just not only student formulations and the unions, they're also parent governing bodies also, because at the end, guardians and parents who are paying the fees for the students are also equally into this whole thing. So there's a whole 360 view of consultations that the institutions were embarked on were taking in place. Now, what will happen then with the students who are not able to vaccinate for whatever reason and the workers who are not able to vaccinate for whatever reason come 2022 academic year? You know, uh, at this moment, um, 
The reality is we did open all our institutions of higher learning in 2021, despite we had no vaccines in January last year. You would be surprised that we had to open our technical and vocational colleges as early as July 2020, because those are in very deep rural areas. They are in peri-urban areas. Our skills economy is also sitting in our in our those rural campuses, which are predominantly engulfed with our technical, vocational, and community skills and educational things, and that cannot be taught uh, online system. Plus, uh, the whole availability of systems to do online was also a challenge. So we we opened through the system protocols. We opened. We conducted exams in 2020 physically for at least 800,000 plus students. And this year, over 1.2 million students have conducted exams uh, in an approximation physically, means in person, which means protocols, contact learning systems aren't there. So institutions will still open. And so those people who are not vaccinated versus vaccinated will follow the protocols the way it was put. But there is a question that every institution in higher learning will have to answer one day, which is still then will they continue uh, compromising the graduateness, the competencies, the skills, which is in huge demand from the private sector, from the government, from the parents themselves, from the students themselves, on, 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 the remote, on the challenges of teaching in remote learning. And that answer can only be resolved by one answer, that is vaccination. As much as there are non-pharmacological interventions that are through the protocol going to be inserted, but they are not sufficient when it comes to the word vaccination. When the world and the, the, the global sphere is clear that the vaccination, even in the fourth wave, the early data that we have received, has clearly shown that it's the vaccinations that are preventing severity of the disease or um, hospitalization or death. Keeping that science now in knowledge, the question will be is for how long will each institution give consultative period, allow people to make that informed decision and be responsible towards making a choice on vaccination. So these are difficult, pertinent questions that looms on not only the universities that made the decision, but it looms for the institutions that will make those decisions more walking in January, February, March onwards. While the institutions will still open in January. You know, Professor, it, it, it sounds almost like uh, for those who want to embark on a higher education uh, career, they will have no choice but to vaccinate. And for those who do not want to vaccinate, that choice to be able to be educated will be taken away from them. South African students are already facing so much. South African students are facing um, a lack of funding, a lack of money to go to higher education, and now they're going to be faced with this. I'm, 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 I'm understanding the fact that it's imperative for us to be vaccinating to curb uh, disease impact, well, especially COVID-19 disease impact, but giving students no choice um, but to vaccinate instead of encouraging them and making sure that they are comfortable with it, whether it's religious or traditional, whatever other reason they may have. But now we give them no choice. This is a bit of a tight corner you are putting young people in. Patricia, you're absolutely right, and you are spot on. And, and that is why I want to correct. We are not, in fact, at this stage. Uh, and we do not know what the future looms into it. Our biggest try is, and to be very honest, we have at this moment data from the ground suggesting that one-third of our students are either vaccinated or undergoing vaccination towards completion of vaccination. 
Then we have something called the middle one-third. The middle one-third students are those students who want to get vaccinated but are seeking more questions uh, and, are, are, and, are, and have complete rights to ask every question that they have when, when it comes to making an informed decision of, of, of such an important decision called vaccination. And there are questions, there are genuine concerns. The genuine concerns are, will I be able to reproduce uh, more children properly? Will I not get testicular hypertrophies? Do a young person's um, uh, challenges, which obviously are very uh, important. What we are trying to do is to give them the global data, bring them about what 3.5 billion people in the world have already got through this, and there are no signs of anything which is their doubts. So we are trying to clarify their doubts as far as possible, and that's called vaccine promotion through a strong peer-to-peer. And I hope is that, say, by January end, we will reach what we call as two-thirds of our population vaccinated. It's our request. Students are going on to leave um, from our, our institutions. They are going on a Christmas break. They will be at home. Maybe they might want to get vaccinated closest to their home or in their sites around them. And we, we are hoping and praying. So if we can reach 70%, then the picture of epidemiology in our thinking can start changing because majority is still vaccinated. And that is how we can curtail the virus stopping from spreading. Because the reality is this virus will only mutate if it keeps moving from one human to the other till it finds the body where it can sit, reside and start mutating. And the whole global world needs to stop these mutation and stop coronavirus to be disrupting what we call. So the aim is to tame this virus down. And the aim is to continuously do vaccine promotion. So I am giving you a confirmation that every institution in higher learning will and is trying to to keep the vaccine promotion in education on top of its priority and giving every individual the chance to keep clarifying the questions. We also know that we have a last one-third population who are completely um, against the vaccine at this stage. They are um, deeply under the, the influence of the anti-vax uh, population, which is their right again. But at the end of the day, uh, from the scientific perspective, it is not healthy for the country. And this, these are discussions, these are pertinent issues, which obviously we're not going to make a decision today, today in our discussion at ACFN TV. But these are issues that we have as a country to engage businesses to engage, um, challenges to engage, because it is a common enemy that, that threatens our human mankind, our life and our existence and our business continuity. So, so it is very challenging times, but the push will still be vaccine promotion and vaccine education for now. I'm glad you are saying vaccine promotion, Prof. Yes, it's good. It's vaccine promotion. And we will continue promoting vaccination knowledge so that more and more people get vaccinated. But my challenge is we are not thinking about the students who will be closed out of universities because they have not vaccinated. It is mandatory in these universities that we have mentioned. So these students, the the ones who are supposed to come into first year um, of university who have not vaccinated for whatever reasons, and we are still trying to promote the vaccine to them, are going to be kept out. So that means that at the end of the day, when it comes to the brain power of our country, we are going to be lacking. So the point is, uh, it's, it's the, the, the few universities that have taken the decision have taken the decision in consultation to what we have been informed 
right from the parent governing bodies to the students' formulations to and looking at the majority of their population's decision-making process. But please remember, there are still very few universities that have gone that route. The majority of the system, and I spoke predominantly, there are another 850,000 students in our technical colleges. There are about 300-plus thousand in our community education training systems. They are still consulting. They're still doing vaccine promotion. Most of our rural universities, most of our other institutions are still debating this, still consulting. So this, this is not a sectoral decision. It's still very confined to institutions that have gone through a process or rigorous process so far, but many are still embarking on that journey. So, uh, so, so I, I'm still feeling that this vaccine promotion is exactly how we are approaching. Vaccine education is the right way we should be doing. We still want people to be informed that vaccine is the way to, to curb further infections, to tame this virus down, and most probably to save lives at this moment. Because unknowingly, sometimes a young person can carry this virus to an old academic or to an old uh, person in the family or, in a, or even passing by with these highly transmissible viruses. It's our own responsibility to take vaccination. These are pertinent discussions that are continuously happening in the majority of our institutions around it, even in almost every system or, or our campuses, even in rural or urban areas. So I think it's, uh, it is unfair to say that everybody has taken that decision and everybody will be following that. The reality is many of us have, in those institutions that have tried that route and have come to a consensus, we have to agree that this is a business continuity plan put by those institutions. But the majority of the sector is still pushing the efforts on vaccine education promotion for now. Well, thank you so very much for joining us, uh, Prof, uh, and uh, shedding light on this particular issue. So grateful. Thank you, Patricia. Let's go to a voice note.